What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joe and Bay Lowry. So big news just came out of the sports world. The Cleveland Cavaliers have acquired three-time All-Star guard Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz. And honestly, they gave up less than it took the Minnesota Timberwolves to land Rudy Gobert. In total, they gave up Colin Sexton, who coming off a really good year, just got a four-year, $72 million sign-and-trade deal with the Cleveland Cavaliers before that trade. So part of that deal is four-year, $72 million. He gets that in his new contract with the Utah Jazz in a sign-and-trade, getting $18 million per year. Also the deal was Ochai Abaji, former March Madness MVP of the tournament. He had a great year last year for the Kansas Jayhawks. Coming off a really good year in college basketball, as I said, he was the most outstanding player in the March Madness tournament and was also a first-round pick in this year's draft, I believe 14th overall, and now he will be headed to Utah. And also in that deal is Laurie Markkinen, former really good forward for the Chicago Bulls. He'll be in that deal as well. Now, if you look at it, they also gave up draft picks too. Three unprotected first-round picks and two pick swaps, so five draft picks that Utah could potentially control, three unprotected, two pick swaps with Colin Sexton, Laurie Markkinen, and Ochai Abaji. If you look at it, though, M- Mitchell's had a great last two years, coming off two really good seasons for that Jazz team, and he's only 25 years old, so he's coming off his 25-year-old season. He now is 25. He's turning 26 in just a few days on September 7th, but Mitchell's coming off a really good season last year. After 25.9 points per game to go along with 5.3 assists and 4.2 rebounds and one and a half of steals per game as well. In 2020 and 2021, that season, 2020-21 season, he averaged 26.4 points per game to go along with 5.2 assists, one steal, and 4.4 rebounds per game. Really good player. Also shot from the field last year, 44.8% from the floor and 35.5% from three. In the 2020-2021 NBA season, he shot 43.8% from the floor and shot 38.6% from three. Over his career, he's averaged 23.9 points per game in the five NBA seasons he's played in to go on 4.5 assists and 4.2 rebounds per game. Also averaging 1.3 steals per game in his career in 345 games played for the Utah Jazz, shooting 36.1% from three and 44.1% from the floor overall in his career with Utah. As I said, a three-time All-Star coming off a very good season. He was a 2017-2018 All-Rookie player. And if you look at the return of the deal, Colin Sexton's coming off a really good season as well. It just seemed like he wasn't going to get paid by the Cleveland Cavaliers anyways. And at the end of the day, he ends up getting his payday by going to the Utah Jazz in that sign-and-trade. Two years ago, Colin Sexton averaged 24.3 points per game. Last year, only averaging 16 points per game to go along with 2.1 assists and 3.3 rebounds. His best season was in 2020-2021. That season, he averaged 24.3 points per game, 4.4 assists, 3.1 rebounds per game to go along with one steal per game, shooting 47.5% from the floor and 37.1% from three. He's now going into his fifth season in the NBA. He's only 23 years old. So he's still very young and has a lot to develop, too. And now he'll be the player they probably build that franchise around. And if you look at the return, they did also get Ochai Abaji. Abaji was the 14th pick overall in this year's draft, so he was a lottery pick. The Utah Jazz will be landing him. They also landed Walker Kessler. The Utah Jazz landed him. The Minnesota Timberwolves' first-round pick this year, they landed him in that deal with Rudy Gobert. So they added two extra first-round picks from this year's draft. Abaji now and Walker Kessler they got from... Minnesota in that deal to Utah. So Utah's landed Kessler and Abaji, and then they also got a ton in return for Rudy Gobert, including five draft picks. And if you look at it, the Rudy Gobert trade was only the start of them just ripping everything up in Utah.
was only the start of it. It was only a matter of time to Donovan Mitchell was traded, whether it was the Knicks, whether it was somewhere else like the Miami Heat or the Sixes. His chances of staying in Utah this season was diminishing by the day, so it's no surprise that he got traded and now will be a Cleveland Cavalier. As for the Cavaliers, though, they have such a stacked team, and I honestly thought they were one of the most underrated teams in the NBA heading into this season. I think when I did my NBA draft preview, my NBA draft recap after they drafted Abaji, which I actually predicted them taking him at the 14th overall pick, I had them and the Pistons as two teams to watch out for in the East. I thought the Cavs, I was more high on than the Pistons. I thought Pistons maybe could you know, maybe sneak into the playoffs. But I always thought the Cavs could be a four or five seed this year and surprise teams and be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, if you look at it, they've done it in Mitchell, Darius Garland, Isaac Okoro, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, and Kevin Love. Their starting five will be Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Isaac Okoro, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. That's a solid starting five there with a good bench as well. Obviously, now you give up Makinen and Abaji and Sexton, three pieces that, honestly, I thought were going to be big pieces on that team this year. But at the end of the day, adding a three-time all-star like Donovan Mitchell, if you have the opportunity to do it, most times you're going to have to do it if you want to go all-in. So I respect Cleveland going all-in here. I think now they're going to be a three-seed in the East. This isn't my NBA season preview, so I'm not going to give my predictions of where I think teams are going to finish in the conference just yet. But as of now, I think I have them as a three or four seed before I had them about a four or five seed before this down. Now I see them at a three or four seed, especially considering that front court with two really good players and Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, and then now their backcourt, Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, two really good players. They have very young starting lineup there. Obviously, Mobley. And Okoro were first-round picks in the last couple of years to Cleveland. Then you got Darius Garland, another former first-round pick. And then you got Donovan Mitchell, as I said, three-time All-Star. And was also a first-round pick as well in Utah. Obviously not to the Cleveland Cavaliers. But the Cavs have drafted very well. Abaji was just another great draft pick of theirs. And they've built a really good roster to contend for now. So I'm excited to see what this team looks like come first night, opening night of the NBA season. I think they're going to be very good, and I'm excited to see where they play and how well they play in the East. I think they're going to be able to compete and be one of the top three or four teams in the Eastern Conference. Now I'm going to transition to news within the NFL. Really tough to hear that former Boston College linebacker and Tennessee Titan Harold Landry will be out for the season with a torn ACL. Obviously, it's a big loss for that Titans defense after he was paid a good amount of money. He was a pro bowler last year. And if you look at it, he actually had his career high in sacks last year with 12. In his career in 64 games played for the Titans, he has 31 sacks. And if you look at it, he was hurt a lot of the time at BC, you know, towards the end. But with the Titans in the NFL, at the NFL level, he's only missed one game out of potential 64 games played. Out of potential 65 games played, he's played in 64. He only missed one game as his rookie year in 2018. He played all games in 2019, all of the games in 2020, and all of the games in 2021. 15 games in 2018 out of 16, 16 out of 16 in 2019, 16 out of 16 in 2020, and 17 out of 17 in 2021. As I said, really coming off a great season, 74 combined tackles and 50 total tackles. Both of those being career highs for Landry. And it's tough, especially considering he just got a huge payday. Five years, $87.5 million, with $52.5 million guaranteed with the Titans. He signed that on March 8th. And fast forward six months or so later almost and now he's out for the entire season so a big blow there for that titans defense tough to see especially considering how well he stayed healthy so far in his nfl career with the titans and now will miss an entire season so not a great day there in the nfl especially considering as i said he was such a great player at bc so wishing him nothing but the best in his recovery hopefully he's back on the field again soon and back at it better than ever and hopefully better than he is right now minus setback for major comeback hopefully for harold landry in that titans defense 
So the last thing I want to talk about tonight is the kickoff for the MAC football conference this season. Tonight is a season opener for them. Central Michigan will be traveling to Oklahoma State in a tough matchup versus Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State right now is the 12th team ranked in the country, but the spread right now is 21 and a half, and I think Central Michigan can stay within that. 21 and a half spread plus 21 and a half. I think Central Michigan can stay within that, especially considering I know they did lose Khalil Pimpleton, who was just released by the Titans, the Giant or the Lions. It was the Giants brought him in for a workout yesterday, hoping to see him on the Giants. He's a very speedy wide receiver and kick returner, but. They do have Daniel Richardson coming back. Richardson, their quarterback, had a great season last year. Had a 151.7 passer rating with 24 touchdowns of six picks, 2,633 yards, and a 60.4 completion percentage in 13 games played. That offense really was driven by Lou Nichols III, Central Michigan's running back, who actually led all of college football last year in rushing yards. Had a tremendous season last year in 13 games played. In 341 rushing attempts, he had 1,848 rushing yards. With 16 rushing touchdowns, 40 receptions for 338 yards, and two receiving touchdowns. He averaged 5.4 yards per carry and 8.5 yards per catch. In total, he had 18 touchdowns last year in 13 games played. And if you look at it, he also threw the ball a little bit last year, too. Three completions and three attempts of 41 yards. They do run a little trick play every now and then in that Central Michigan offense. I'm excited to see how they look tonight. Also, last year, if you look at it, overall, 16 rushing touchdowns, two receiving touchdowns, 18 touchdowns total, 108 total points there accounted for by Lou Nichols III. And then Richardson, as I said, was great last year. 24 touchdowns with six picks. I think Central Michigan stays in this game. Even they did lose Khalil Pimpleton, as I said. Homer to see him on the Giants. The Giants worked him out yesterday. And even though they lost Khalil Pimpleton and a couple other pieces, I think Daniel Richardson and Lou Nichols III can keep them in this game. And at the end of the day, they're going up against the 12th team ranked in the country, 12th ranked team in the country. And the pressure is going to all be on Oklahoma State. Central Michigan can play with no pressure on themselves since they're going to a team that... 12th ranked in the country. All the expectation in the game is on Central Michigan not to do anything, really. It's for Oklahoma State to blow them out. That's what the expectation would be by most people, especially considering they have the 12th ranked team in the country. But in my eyes, I think that's going to play to Central Michigan's favor going up against a team that they're big underdogs against. I think that's going to help Central Michigan. I think they stay in this game. I think they cover the 21-point spread, 21.5 points. I think Central Michigan stays in this game. I see it being... Maybe around a 32 to 21 type of game. I think Central Michigan can stay within 10 to 11 points, especially considering, as I said, they got Lou Nichols III, one of the best running backs in all of college football. I think he's going to have a really good night tonight. Even if they abandon the run game a little bit, if they're down, I think he helps you out a lot in the passing game too. As you can see, 40 receptions last year, two rushing touch, or two receiving touchdowns, 16 rushing touchdowns. He's a very good player receiving-wise and also running-wise as well. He's great both ways. So I think he can help you in the pass game as well, even if they are up. Them being Oklahoma State. If Oklahoma State's up by a lot, I still think he can help you on the pass game, try to get you back in the game, especially considering how good he was last season for the Chippewas offense. If you look at it historically, Oklahoma State beat Central Michigan in 2015, 24-13. They played each other twice. Both teams won and won against each other, so one win for each team. Central Michigan beat them 30-27 to in 2016. Huge win there for Central Michigan. Obviously, it was a controversial game, controversial finish. But it wins a win at the end of the day. Central Michigan beat them 30-27 to in 2016, lost them 24-13 to in 2015. So they've stayed close in both games that they lost. So that's why I think Central Michigan can stay in the game tonight. And just a few quick numbers I wanted to talk about from last season. Central Michigan averaged 36.4 points per game last season, allowing just 29 points per game on defense. So they had a 7-point differential, plus 7-point differential between their points scored and points allowed per game. 
As for Oklahoma State, they averaged 34.9 points per game last season, allowing 20.2 points per game last season. Central Michigan did average 444.5 yards per game last season, while Oklahoma State averaged 417.4 yards per game on offense last season. And if you look at it, Central Michigan threw the ball a ton last season, averaged 265.4 passing yards per game and 179.2 rushing yards per game. As for Oklahoma State, 231.9 yards per game passing with 185.5 rushing yards per game. They do like to throw the ball a ton and run the ball. Both teams did that very well last year. So I see this being a high-scoring game, 32-21, to 32-24, somewhere in that realm. I think Central Michigan stays close in this game, especially considering Central Michigan ran the ball so well last year and could pass the ball too. I think it'll be a very good game to watch, and I'm excited to see what happens there. Hopefully, Central Michigan comes home with a win, but I'll take them just being in the game. I think that's a win at the end of the day, especially considering they're going up against the number 12 team in the country. All the expectation in the game, all the expectations is for Central Michigan to get blown out. So I think they have an edge there in being an underdog. I think the underdog always has a better mentality and a better chance to surprise teams, especially considering when you're an underdog, there's no expectations. There's no pressure on you. So I think all the pressure in this game is on Oklahoma State. So that's why I think Central Michigan will benefit from that. As for another game in the MAC, Toledo will be playing against LIU Brooklyn tonight at Toledo. Toledo will be the home team. Toledo is actually favored in this game by 47.5 points. If you look at it, last season Toledo averaged 37.7 points per game, allowing just 24 points per game. And LIU Brooklyn, awful last season, 15.6 points per game on offense, which is abysmal, so just about two touchdowns per game, giving up 45.8 points per game last season on defense. That's a minus 30 point differential per game last season. As for Toledo, they had a plus 13 point differential per game last season. Very impressive last season. 436 yards per game on offense for Toledo. Average 239 passing yards and 197 rushing yards per game. As for LIU Brooklyn, 270.3 Yards per game on offense with 166 of those being passing and 104 of those being rushing. As for yards allowed, LIU Brooklyn just got lit up last season, giving up 444.2 points or yards per game, that is. Toledo giving up 349.7 yards per game. I think this is going to be a good game for Toledo. I see them winning this game somewhere in the 52 to 21, 52 to, which you know is a 47 and a half point line. I don't think they're going to be able to cover. That's very hard to cover 48 points, but I think it's going to be a 52 to 17 game. I see Toledo winning this by 35. Toledo has their quarterback returning to Quan Finn, who actually was a watch list candidate for the Maxwell Award for College Football's Best Player of the Year coming into the season. He was named a preseason third team all-MAC team or all-MAC player in the MAC conference. So obviously he's going to have a chance to light it up tonight, maybe throw three or four touchdowns. Last season, threw for 18 touchdowns with just two interceptions. Had 144 passes completed out 250 attempts for 2,071 passing yards with 149.3 as a passer rating. So a very good year last year for Daquan Finn. I think he has a good year this year as well. He didn't play every single game in 2019-2020, but in 2021 he got a chance to start and played in 13 games with 505 rushing yards and 9 rushing touchdowns to go along with, as I said, 18 passing touchdowns with 2 picks with a 58% completion percentage and 159.3 passing yards per game. He did average 38.8 rushing yards per game as well, so he can run the ball too. So that's a guy to keep your eye on there for Toledo. Another big game 
Ball State versus Tennessee. Ball State will be visiting Tennessee tonight. Tennessee is a 35.5 point favorite. 35.5 point favorite heading into tonight's game. Honestly, I think Ball State could maybe stay within that, but at the end of the day, I'm more confident in Central Michigan covering this spread than I am Ball State covering against Tennessee. I am. Ball State's quarterback, we back up quarterback from last season, John Paddock. A pan of two games last season going 18 for 26 with a 69.2% completion percentage for 132 passing yards and no touchdowns with one interception and a 104.2 passer rating last season in those two games played. But one guy I'm excited to see in that Ball State offense is Constant Steele. Stud running back last year was just a freshman last season. In 13 games, had 192 rushing attempts for 891 rushing yards for 4.6 yards per carry with six rushing touchdowns, 12 receptions for 157 receiving yards, and a receiving touchdown. Played very well last year. I think he could have a good game tonight. I know teams typically abandon the run when they're down by a ton, but I think he's a guy to keep your eye on tonight. If Ball State could stay in this game, which I'm not sure if they're going to, but I will be rooting for them, obviously. I always root for my max schools. I think if they were to stay in this game, Constant State would be a big reason why they stay in this game. And I think at the end of the day, the underdogs have a better chance always, as I said, especially considering the MAC always gives bigger schools a hard time as you saw last year. Bowling Green beat Minnesota when they were heavy underdogs last year. But as of tonight with Ball State versus Tennessee, I think they could be within four to five touchdowns. I think that would be a solid game for them, especially considering Tennessee's such a big program recruits so well, even if they have a down year. I think the score will be 52 to or 51, let's say. 51 to 13 tonight. I think it'll be a tough game for Ball State, but I think they could definitely get a touchdown out of Carson Steele. As for Central Michigan, I think they could stay close in that game. As I said, I think I'll take a 32 to 21 score. And that's just a prediction. I think I always want to give a prediction for these games, especially considering I'm a big fan of the Mac. So I always would like to put a prediction out. Hopefully it comes true. As for the last MAC game tonight, there's one more game. It is Akron hosting St. Francis. Akron coming off a tough season last year after 22.4 points per game and allowing 44.7 points per game. So that's a minus 22 point differential per game with 217 passing yards per game and 121 rushing yards per game, allowing 469 yards per game last year. Akron. Had a very tough season last year, but I think tonight they will win tonight's game, hopefully by a good amount, let's say 38-17. to 17. I think that would be a great game and a great start to the year for that Akron team. Anyways, that wraps up today's episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it and hope you guys have a good one. Thank you again.